Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. The Supreme Court has until tomorrow to deliver its decision on a lawsuit that could ban access to the abortion drug Mifepristone. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Justice Samuel Alito handed down a brief order yesterday with the extension. That means for now, the abortion drug remains fully legal in states that have not yet banned abortion. To get some background on the case and the legal drama, we are talking to Stephen Schwinn, a professor at University of Illinois Chicago Law School. Professor, before we talk about this recent extension from Justice Alito, just remind us how we got here. Well, this is a long and complicated story. We're going to go all the way back to the year 2000 when the FDA approved the drug Mifepristone as part of a true drug regimen to to induce medical abortions. At that time, the FDA imposed some restrictions on the use of... um, of mifepristone. And in particular, for our purposes, what it said was that the drug can only be dispensed in person. So a person actually has to go to the doctor's office and have it dispensed there, that it requires three visits to the doctor's office, and that it is valid up to seven weeks into the pregnancy. And so that was the approval for mifepristone. Now, in more recent years, what the FDA has done is kind of rolled back those restrictions. What it said is, look, this is a tremendously safe drug. We've got a really good safety record, a lot of really good safety studies on it, and we're going to start to roll back these restrictions. So in 2016, it allowed the drug to be used up to 10 weeks into pregnancy. It required just one visit, not three visits to the doctor's office. And it authorized the use of the drug at home, which made it much, much easier. It increased the accessibility of the drug. And since that time, it's rolled back the restrictions somewhat even more. Mm -hmm. So against all that background, we get a lawsuit in November 2022 from an organization that wants to challenge FDA's original certification of mifepristone. But remember, Sasha, that goes all the way back to the year 2000. So this is 22 years later. So you're you're talking about FDA versus Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine? That's exactly right. And they bring this lawsuit in a particular district in Texas, where there's a single district judge who's on record, appointed by President Trump, on record opposing abortion. And he issues a ruling in their favor, striking the FDA's approval of the drug going all the way back to 2000. My goodness. Yeah. So uh, April 7th, Texas federal judge uh, Matthew Kaczmarek issued a decision suspending FDA approval of mifepristone, one of two drugs, as we know, used for, for medical abortions. And the federal judge in Washington state issued this conflicting opinion on the same day. On the same day, within a couple of hours of each other. It really was extraordinary, Sasha. So you've got one ruling coming out of the District of Texas, striking the FDA's approval of the drug. Another ruling coming out of Washington saying that FDA can't not approve the drug and has to roll back the uh, the restrictions that it initially imposed on it. Extraordinary. So we knew this case was headed to the Supreme Court from the get-go. Yeah. So the the drug, as we know, again, has been FDA approved since 2000. Does the lawsuit pre- present any evidence that it's actually harmful? 
Well, <laughs> this it depends a little bit on who you talk okay. to. So remember, the FDA has over two decades of data and studies and information about this drug. It's an extraordinarily effective and an extraordinarily safe drug. The government has said and the FDA has found that this drug is actually safer than very common drugs that we use, like ibuprofen, for example. Um, and so th- we've got a long, a long history. Now, against that, you've got this district judge ruling that says, no, it's actually not as safe as people think it is. But the problem with the district judge ruling is that he kind of goes rogue. He goes off the data that the FDA has looked at, mm-hmm. apparently Googles some of the data himself, looks at websites that rely on anonymously sourced information. I mean, it really is extraordinary, Sasha, the lengths that he goes to to demonstrate by his reckoning that this is an unsafe drug. The truth is it's not unsafe at all. Mm. He, he just kind of went off script and and did his own thing to determine that it was unsafe in that ruling. Yeah. Has a court ruling ever revoked a drug approval? Is there precedent here? No. This is the other extraordinary thing. Mm. We have never seen a court ruling revoke a drug approval by the FDA. And just to underscore this point, I mean, the FDA is the gold standard worldwide in approving drugs. It has a fantastic safety record and is recognized, again, sort of worldwide by world authorities as uh, as doing this right. So tell us more about the legal status then of, of mifepristone today and also where would that change if the Supreme Court does decide to ban the drug? Okay, so this can get a little complicated, too. So that that district judge's decision from Texas went up on appeal to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed the lower court judge in part, but reversed the lower court judge in part. And so we've now got two rulings, one from a district court, one from an appeals court that go in slightly different directions. Mm -hmm. At that point, the government took the case to the Supreme Court and said, hey, look, There's just too much going on here. We need the Supreme Court to intervene and give us some guidance. This is going to give a big headache for access to abortion, a big headache for the federal government's regulatory authority, Mm -hmm. and a huge headache for manufacturers of the drug who have to deal with everything from whether they're going to put it on the market to what their labels are going to look like. So the Supreme Court, in a move last Friday by Justice Alito, halted the lower court's ruling. It said, we're going to return to the status quo ante, the situation that existed before the district court judge ruled, which means that mifepristone now is available. What he said, interestingly, was that this stay was going to stay in place through Wednesday, that is yesterday. And then yesterday, in a surprise move, he extended that. Two more days. Two more days. Who knew? Hmm. And uh, and now we're at Friday. So we're kind of up in the air. More people are are um, concerned here because mifepristone it's used for more than just medical abortions. It's right, used, professor. For, that's exactly right. It is, and and access to mifepristone could have effects that sweep well beyond the abortion debates. And so, for example, this is a commonly prescribed drug for other medical conditions that relate to pregnancy, and even some medical conditions that don't. So access to mifepristone could be a a big headache for individuals, even beyond the abortion debate. Yeah, it's most common method. Uh, It's the most common method for ending a pregnancy, as we've mentioned, but it's also used for miscarriage management, um, as well as helping patients with uh, Cushing's syndrome, um, who also have type 2 
diabetes. That's exactly right. And fibroids related to pregnancy, other conditions related to pregnancy, and and even some things, I'm I'm not holding myself out to be a doctor. I'm certainly not that, but other conditions that aren't related to pregnancy at all. So uh, the high court initially said that it would drop an opinion yesterday, as you you talked about. Uh, Why, help us understand, why might Supreme Court justices want the extra two days of, of deliberation? Are they possibly waiting for something else outside of the court to happen before releasing their opinion? It's a really good question, and it really is a guessing Take game. us inside their minds, yeah. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm not sure that's a place I want to go, frankly. <laughs> so it, 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 it's, it, we don't know, but let me use my best educated guess here. So going up to the Supreme Court, my view, and I think a lot of experts' view, is that this case actually is a no-brainer. And it's for no-brainer, Sasha, that for, for reasons that has nothing to do with the right to abortion. It's because the plaintiffs in the Texas case lack standing. They have no basis for bringing their case in court mm. in the first place. And under well-settled Supreme Court precedent, it's actually really easy to say that these folks have no business in federal court. They simply don't have the kind of injury or harm that's necessary to punch a ticket and get into federal court to make the kind of challenge that they're making. Now, the Supreme Court... So do the justices not see that? Well, that's the big question. I would have thought they'd see it right out of the gate, and they would have very easily overturned that district court opinion on that basis alone, without even getting to the FDA's approval of mifepristone. Right. They didn't, and that's what concerns me. And so what it suggests to me is that there's some dispute on the court, not only about standing, but also about the merits of the case and FDA's original approval of mifepristone, or at least its rollback in recent years of the restrictions on the use of mifepristone. What it suggests to me is that there's some consideration on the court that's actually taking this case seriously and very well may uphold all or part of the lower court's decisions. Are abortion rights advocates, are they concerned about people being prosecuted for, for possessing mifepristone if the decision doesn't go their way? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think people are justifiably quite scared about this. And we've seen in recent days, even since the Supreme Court got involved in this case, additional restrictions by additional states on abortion from everything to, you know, Florida's six-week restriction on abortion to restrictions on traveling out of state with a minor to obtain an abortion mm-hmm. where the state bans abortion in state. I think people are justifiable fearful of these things. Now, the the travel ban almost certainly violates the Constitution, and the Supreme Court itself suggested that when okay. it ruled last summer in Dobbs. But still, that's not going to stop people from prosecuting, and you don't want to be on the receiving end of a prosecution ever, even if it's unconstitutional. Absolutely. So if the high court decides to revoke approval of uh, mifepristone, let's dig into the impact a bit more on folks trying to seek abortions. What options are they going to have then? Well, at that point, their options are going to be substantially limited. As you said earlier, mifepristone medical abortions account for well over 50 percent of the abortions in recent years that are conducted in the United States. And so where are women going to turn? Well, they'll probably have to travel to states that authorize um, uh, surgical abortions and still allow surgical abortions. And that's going to be very difficult, Mm -hmm. particularly in states, again, that are banning travel out of state to obtain an abortion. Yeah, they could cost more. Um, That option may just take longer to find appointments even. 
Oh right? my goodness, for sure. Yeah, and you know we can expect that this is going to as 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 healthcare generally, but particularly pregnancy, will have a disparate impact on communities of color. And so I think there are all kinds of wide-ranging implications that that we haven't even imagined at this point. And I'll tell you another, Sasha. If the Supreme Court upholds any portion of the lower court's decisions, mm-hmm. remember, this is an extraordinary action for the courts to second-guess the FDA's decision on the approval of a drug or any restrictions on the drug. If the court affirms that, that's going to open the door to all kinds of challenges for all kinds of drugs. We're going to see lawsuit after lawsuit, Oh, my goodness, Potentially. Mifepristone, it's typically used as part of a two-drug abortion option, right? There's also uh, mesoprostol, the the other drug. Uh, Is there a chance that the courts could come after that too? I think that'll be what's next on the the firing line if this case succeeds in any way. And quite frankly, even if it doesn't succeed, that may be the next target of abortion opponents. Um, There's a possibility of using these drugs in isolation to induce an abortion, they're not quite as effective. It is designed as a two-drug regimen, but if if their challenge to one fails, you can expect the challenge to the other to go forward. And even if it doesn't, I would expect a challenge. Mm, I can imagine health experts are, are already looking into, like you said, isolating each one and, and the effectiveness of that. Um, we talked about the Supreme Court already, you know, extending this decision once, adding those two more days. What is the likelihood that they'll extend again? Well, a tremendous question. We just don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on inside of the head of the Supreme Court. Is you know, I got to tell you, as a constitutional scholar and follower of the court, this is deeply concerning to me. You've got a court that already lacks transparency and uh, making such an important decision behind closed doors, and we just don't have any idea what's going on. There's no open oral argument. There's absolutely no transparency to the court's decision here. And it's quite possible that they might take a drug off the market, at least temporarily, uh, under really, really a questionable at best situation. So what are you going to be paying close attention to then as we learn more about the upcoming decision? Well, I think we're going to look carefully at the decision and what it says and Mm -hmm. what it says both about standing, as I had mentioned, because that has broad and sweeping implications well beyond the abortion debate. That's just wild to me. Oh, it's wild, isn't it? And um, and then on the merits, what the Supreme Court has to say about this and what that does not only to mifepristone but to other drugs approved by the FDA and the whole FDA regulatory structure, quite frankly. I mean, I, I, it sounds like I'm being dramatic here. I'm really not. This case puts a lot at issue. Wow. Stephen Schwinn is a professor at University of Illinois Chicago Law School. Thank you so much for the update. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Stephanie Kim. You can hear the big national stories and what's happening in our region by subscribing to the Reset podcast. We share episodes every morning and afternoon, Monday through Friday, and a bonus episode of something fun on Saturdays. All right, that's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. 
Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.